Hello, everyone. Welcome to another winning episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Alex. We're here to talk about a win for the New York Giants again. Two in a row. The Giants move to four and eight in the season. They have the same record as the New York Jets, the same amount of wins as the New York Jets. And uh, I don't know if that's really a good thing for New York football, but that's all right. Four and eight it is. We beat the poverty Patriots team that they are. So worst start the Patriots have had to a season since 1990, Alex. Yes, you have to go back that many years to find a Patriots season just as bad as this one. Although it was a rough one throughout the game with a bunch of punts left and right by both squads, the Giants defense held strong with their numerous amount of takeaways and they knocked out not one, but two quarterbacks out of this game. And I meant knock out of the game with the second quarterback. Obviously, Bailey Zappi stayed in for the entirety of the second half. But due to his interception in the game, basically just the defense was very solid. Although we're going to talk about the runs up the A-gap by Ramondre Stevenson with the loss of Dexter Lawrence in this game. Alex, I just realized I got to close the window in this room. So hopefully no one is yelling that you hear that through the audio. So while I close that and walk away for a second, let's hear how you're doing in your reaction to the swing. Well, I'm doing good, Josh, and while you can't hear anything I'm about to say right now, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving weekend, great long weekend, Black Friday, whatever it may be, uh, and a, a great win for the Giants here to cap off. I mean, great is a little bit of an over-exaggeration, I should say, but a win uh, to cap off this nice Thanksgiving weekend for all us Giants fans. So happy Thanksgiving to you and your families, and uh, hope this capped off a really nice time. And the Giants, we got a win that's about as descriptive as I want to be about the win. Uh, at least at this very second obviously the whole episode is going to be going more into it but um 10-7 not a glamorous one not a pretty one but a win nonetheless and it counts on the win column and the tank um they were people were comparing this the Caleb Williams bowl the Drake May bowl whatever you wanted to call it um very similar to the Chase Young bowl uh, a couple years three years four years back now uh and obviously the Giants won that and it turned out pretty good for them uh, and the Giants won this one, so hopefully it turns out pretty good in the future for whatever it may hold. Obviously, the Patriots, I believe, now are second overall in the draft order. Giants are up to, like, the sixth overall pick, so it definitely did make a big impact, but I'm happy. I, I've said it numerous times now throughout this season, and especially over the past couple of episodes, I want the Giants to win. I believe they should win. I don't believe in tanking, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that they ended up getting the win, and um, you know, we have a good friend, both of us, who who's a Patriots fan, and even though he's pretending that he's happy about the tank for Kate, uh, for Caleb Williams or whatever it may be, we know it's hurting his little Patriots heart inside. So uh, all, all good on my front, and uh, you know, had a great weekend and capped off with a nice Giants win. Yeah, I mean, if our friend Peter and his little Patriots squad uh, got the victory today, he would have been trash talking us for the rest of the night and throughout the rest of the week. So it, he can pretend like he doesn't care. We all know he does. We all know Bill Belichick does too because he wants his team to succeed. He waited until today to name the starting quarterback being Mac Jones. Mac Jones went in there through two pretty bad interceptions. I mean, a couple of them were good plays by uh, the Giants defensive backs. But still, I believe the first one uh, was was the first one caught by Deontay Banks or was that the second interception? I think we got Banks. Then we had, well, here's, here's what I'm going to say. I think it was one for Mac Jones and then two for Zapp. Zappy, whatever you want to call it, it's Zappy. I'm almost other positive. way around. I mean, two other for way around. Whack Jones, no. one for Zappy. It was two for Wax Jones. That's what it was. So yeah, it was it was Banks and then McKinney, and then McKinney for, was the third. 
I thought O'Karake. No, O'Karake was the second, then McKinney was the third. See, so many takeaways, Josh, from this Giants defense. It gets mixed around. Of course, I have a terrible memory, so that's part of it. But, um, you know, overall, really good from the defense to get three takeaways followed, uh, you know, following a six-takeaway game against Washington. Obviously, this is not sustainable. (laughs) Uh, The Giants will not be able to turn the ball over nine times uh, in two games. A a four-and-a-half takeaway per game average is just not something that's going to be able to happen the rest of the season. But uh, when you can only score 10 points on offense, it's kind of something that you need in order to win football games. All right, Alex, you know how these podcasts go. If you're listening or watching and you're new, we go offense, then defense, and then anything else we need to talk about. And let's start off with this Tommy DeVito, how you doing led offense. It went for 11, uh, excuse me, 17 for 25. Oh, yeah, capiche, capiche. 191 yards, one touchdown, seven and a half yards per throw or per catch, you could say. Tommy DeVito, man, the Giants are fitting him in this offense. He does just about what he needs to do. Finds the open players, drives down the field, and the guy who had the day today in the receiving end of things was finally a Jalen Hyatt breakout game. Five catcher, 109 yards, no touchdowns, but four very big gains, and then it was like a, a fifth catch for like eight yards. But besides that, four very big games, and we saw kind of routes that he did at Tennessee, Alex, if you remember that five-touchdown game that he had against Alabama last year, there were drag routes like that where he would pull the cornerback, kind of watching Tommy DeVito. And while he was watching, uh, Jalen Hyatt would hug that sideline and be able to move around that cornerback, that defensive back, and be able to get the ball 40, 50 yards downfield. They were just playing deep routes where he would just one-on-one beat the quarterback because we know Jalen Hyatt. And we know that coming out of the draft, he was a fast wide receiver, and that was his primary role, was that he could be cornerbacks when he was in one-on-one situations. The Giants abused that, took advantage of that today, however you want to you know, put it, um, and, and did pretty well there. I mean, Alex, you can react to that. And then I do want to get to Saquon Barkley a little bit, um, but go ahead with, with your reactions to that first. Yeah, well, what I would say, along, I'm going to get to Hyde in a second, but I think this applies to all the receivers. The Giants are doing a much better job scheming up uh, good play designs for our receivers to get open. Um, you know, we saw that with Hyatt. Obviously, with Hyatt, it's more of an individual thing. And a lot of those go routes, he's just creating separation himself and just beating everyone with his speed. But uh, players like Wandell Robinson, even Sterling Shepard on some quick uh, slants, uh, Hodgins on the touchdown, obviously, later in the game um, that we saw that he was able to kind of put that together. That was schemed up a little bit with some guys going the other direction. So, the Giants, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable have been doing a much better job over the past couple of games in doing that, um, and it's definitely showed off, uh, showed in the offensive production, I should say. So, uh, you know, I've been happy about that, but Hyatt, like you said, those go routes, I believe three of them, three of those big catches were all go routes, and he was uh, beating his man constantly, even when he wasn't getting the ball. Maybe DeVito was under the pressure, whatever it may be, but uh, he was getting those, uh, he was getting those go routes a lot, and then he had one nice crossing route that uh, got a first down. I believe that was like a third and long situation. And then we also had, uh, you mentioned that short eight-yard uh, catch. So he showed some diversity. It wasn't just some just go run straight in a line and, uh, you know, beat your man. It, there was some route running ability. There were some, uh, you know, some decent catches as well. So overall, um, a very positive performance from him. And it's just all about getting him the ball, getting him uh, involved more, more development. Um, you know, in the on the practice field as well. Obviously, just kind of expanding his route tree, and uh, you could see that the talent is there, and that's why he was 
you know, so highly thought of coming out of college. And then I want to mention a couple other guys. Wandell Robinson obviously had the fumble, so that was bad. But besides that, he did show some shiftiness. But I'm really looking for more from him. Uh, he's a player that had so much. He has so much potential. He's so shifty. Uh, his change of direction is spectacular. Uh, he's generally got good hands. Um, and it just felt like he's just really being, he's very slowly coming off that ACL tearing. Uh, I know it's not fair to give him, to judge him so heavily this year, but if he can't produce as much, you know, we're hoping he can produce more in the later half of the season here, but uh, next season in particular, I'm really hoping that we see more from Wandell Robinson because you could see the potential that's there is just not being executed. And Hodgins, he got the touchdown. Uh, I believe that was his only catch of the game though, but He's been solid, uh, you know, as, you know, I guess, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here, Josh, but I think he's been solid as a rotational guy for the Giants. Uh, I think after last year's kind of boom, everyone kind of thought, ooh, could he be like a wide receiver one or two? He's really not that. Uh, he doesn't create enough separation to be able to do that, but um, he he's a very solid player and he was able to get that touchdown, uh, an impressive stiff arm on Jack Jones, I believe it is, or not Johnson. Jack Jones. Something Jonathan. Jones, they, Jonathan Jones. They have so much. They have, don't they have three defensive back Joneses, uh, which is kind of interesting. J- or they got two. JC Jackson on their team too. Okay, oh, no. so they got JC Jackson. They had Jack Jones, but I believe they cut him. I want to say, uh, and then they have Jonathan Jones as well. And then of course they have Mac Jones. Um, there might be another Jones in there too. So there's there's a lot of Joneses on the on the Patriots. But uh, yeah, um, happy with him. And Saquon Barkley, I'll let you touch on him, but he was certainly impressive today and ripped off a couple of big ones. Yes. Uh, I Actually, it's really funny you said that. I wasn't oh, were you going to go on... negative? Yeah, I was going to go negative. Um, so Saquon Barkley, 12 carries, 46 yards, about four yards a carry. The negative I was going to go with, not that he had a bad game per se, but that and the Fox broadcast, if you were watching, which I know you were, Alex, obviously touched on this, that Jonathan Villalon was saying he took off third downs a lot. And Matt Breida came in for third downs, and they went to the sideline reporter. Unfortunately, I, f- I forget her name. But they went down to her during the game, and they were saying that it's not a coaching decision putting in Matt Breida on those third downs. Saquon works on his own snap count. He decides when he wants to stay in and go out. A- and I believe that's that's a right call. I think that you know, Saquon, you know, at some points, if he's staying on too long, that it becomes a problem. I think he knows his place on this team and when he needs a rest and when he doesn't. But he was taking those rests pretty frequently. And on important third downs, like long third downs, especially third and 11, third and seven, when screen passes to Matt Breida could have been to Saquon Barkley, with the Giants having more of a chance of getting the first down there, or some elusive plays. Saquon Barkley may be playing under center that we've seen in the past before. Saquon Barkley going out and doing a five wide set and he runs around and he gets a first down whether it's a wheel route whether it's a post route whether it's a slant whatever it is Saquon Barkley on the field in the running back position or in the wide receiver position on those third down plays give the Giants a higher percent chance of converting and he was out there very rarely on third downs today and that's what I wanted to touch on and something against Matt Breida, I, I like Matt Breida as our backup. I have nothing against him, but if this sideline reporter, and again, so annoyed, I, I don't know her name. I forgot her name. But if she was telling the truth that Saquon controls his own snap counts throughout the game and he was repeatedly taking himself off on third downs, I don't care if he wants to give Matt Breida a chance on third down. We're trying to win here. No matter what Giants fans think, and, and, and by the way, Alex, I don't know if we saw in the Giants win Twitter posts, you know, that the social media team do, does every time. 
that comment section was so toxic. It was like, John Mara is John Mara's messing the Giants up. They're messing up the stock and the draft stock. It's over now. See that we're done. Like, come on, figure out a thing. Like, it's terrible how toxic that comment section is and how many Giants fans are giving up on the season, which it is over, but you still want to win. And Alex and I both agree on that. But anyway, back to Saquon Barkley. What, what are your thoughts on that? And him repeatedly taking himself out, it seems like, during these third down attempts. I don't really... I, here's the thing. Because we don't know enough information, it's really tough to make a judgment, right? Do Is it because he's just tired and it's because he's playing both first and second down every single snap um, of all those downs and it just feels like a lot? Um, is it that he potentially is upset with the Giants for not getting his long-term deal and he's saying, hey, I'm not going to risk injury when I'm tired? Is it, hey, I'm so upset that I want to screw the team and that's why I'm not playing on third down? I don't think it's the last one. I know some Giants fans, I'm sure, are going to jump to that conclusion, but uh, I'd have to imagine it's one of the first two things I've said, but it's really tough to judge. I'll pretend that it is, say, that he is kind of upset about the contract, and that's why he's not going to overdo himself. He doesn't want to risk injury. I think that's valid for him. Um, Of course, as a Giants fan, I'm frustrated, but um, you know, that's kind of the risk you ran by not giving him his deal, if that pretty much makes sense, right? That Joe Shea knew the risk going into it, franchise tagging him, whatever it may be. And the whole point of, you know, giving him that whatever it was, extra million dollars or, or so in bonuses, uh, you know, before the season started was to keep him happy. And, uh, you know, maybe if that doesn't keep him fully happy, it's kept him happy enough up to this point where he's been playing almost every snap. So, um, at this point, I understand it. The Giants' season is over, so why is he going to put his body on the line, uh, you know, each and every down uh, and risk injury? So I, I do understand it from that standpoint. And then, um, you know, fi- finishing the Saquon Barkley topic, Mike Garofalo interviewed him right after the game, and he said, quote, finally something goes our way in terms of Chad Ryland's missed goal to end the game, which, by the way, this was the most tank bowl of all tank bowls. A 10-7 final and a 35-yard field goal te- miss. Intentional it's miss? Absurd. What do you think at the end? Do you think Bill Belichick went, or Robert Kraft goes, hey, what's his name? Doug? What's the kicker's name? Oh, Chad. 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 Miss it. Miss it, buddy. We want Caleb. <laughs> you think that's what happened? Yeah, 100%. No, uh, absolutely not. I think the Patriots wanted to win it. I, we know how much of a competitor that... Uh, Bill Belichick is the head coach. There's no way he's trying to lose his team games. And I'm sure he's just as upset as Mac Jones is for how bad he's playing. I mean, Belichick has to be losing his mind on the sideline. He won't tell us that, and he won't show it. But he'll definitely, I'm sure, rip Mac Jones after the game. And Jones obviously isn't happy with how he's performing. I mean, he's getting benched for Bailey Zappi, for God's sake. And I said it in our group chat with the three of us. Alex, myself, and our friend Peter, who's a Patriots fan, that I honestly feel bad for Mac Jones at this point. And obviously I understand why Peter doesn't because he's a Pats fan and we have Daniel Jones and he sucks. And Alex doesn't either, which is really surprising because normally Alex is like the super sympathetic guy and when he feels bad for someone or something, I'm like, why do you feel bad? Like you're weird. But apparently I'm the sympathetic guy now. I feel bad for Mac Jones. I think that with how bad he's playing, it gets to the point of like, holy crap, like this guy, like he needs a hug. Like... For how bad he's yeah, performing. But some of the throws he was doing today, like some of them that like went lofty in the air, it yeah, looked like I would have been throwing. They were ill-advised, sure. Yeah, when you're on a when when they're rolling, that's what you're talking about. When that drive they're absolutely rolling and he decides to throw a pass and double coverage when he could have just either no, thrown no, it out no, of I'm bounds. I'm talking about like 
sometimes like he would just throw it and it would be like looping up like he was like trying to like just toss it over like he was trying to toss it over a 10 foot defender like it just it looked like a throw that I would make uh when I'm playing like in the backyard I yeah I mean I get that Alex there was the this is what I was talking about the interception on a 12 play drive the Patriots I believe started on their own eight yard line on this drive this was the second pick by um Bobby Okereke when he threw it to double coverage, I know, that was, was bad. Isaiah yeah, Simmons, I wasn't talking about that. Isaiah yeah. Simmons unblocked off the left side of the of the offensive line, unblocked, rushing at Mac Jones instead of Mac Jones scrambling, throwing or just plainly throwing it out, getting the intentional grounding, whatever. Not throwing an interception. He gets the pressure from Isaiah Simmons, doesn't know how to react, throws it into double coverage. It's picked off easily by Bobby O'Karake standing right in front of the ball. That's ill advised, and that is where I could understand why Peter and many Patriots fans absolutely should not feel bad for Mac Jones because that's a terrible pass. And even again, Jonathan, Vil- Jonathan Vilma, excuse me, on the broadcast, that's who it was, right? On the broadcast with uh, today, it was him and, um, oh my goodness. Um, Harlan, Har- yeah. Who? Uh, I think Kevin Harlan. Oh, um, nope, not who I was thinking of. No, it wasn't. It's uh, looked, Kenny, Kenny, Albert. Like he, Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert. There we Thank go. Thank you. Oh boy, former what, guest what, what, on the what podcast, by the way. What did I say? Uh, I think you said Arlen. I think you were thinking of Kevin Arlen, the uh, broadcaster. Oh, yeah, because Kevin Kenny. There you go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> now nah, you got it. It's all good. Close enough. Way, we did have him on the podcast, so. <laughs> we did. Go check out that interview. It was actually yeah. a great time. Uh, great. Kenny, and we, we didn't mess up who he was at that point. So no, we go. did not. I want to make God. sure, though, it was Vilma. And I'm not like... It was, yeah, yeah. Up. I know it definitely was him. I just forgot who his partner yeah. was. Um, did you like the segment with him Which and Gronk, is terrible, by, by the way? way? The with, segment with Strahan? They brought on Strahan and Gronk in the studio. Well, they had to. The game was so miserable. They had to put a break to it. That was really interesting. Uh, the amount of storylines in this game is super cool, though, too. I mean, like Dable, going into obviously. It, Dable, yeah. obviously, Belichick defense. I mean, every time they play, it's the same thing. But now with Dable as Joe the head Judge. coach, Joe Judge, um, the lot of storylines for this game. Jabril Peppers, yeah. If that's the storyline. A lot, line, of, a lot of history with a lot of different players in this team. Yeah. Uh, but anything, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll uh, talk about the Giants' defense giving up only seven points to the Patriots in this game. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back here to this winning episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm going to keep on saying it because we haven't had that many this season. All right, Mac Jones starts off. First half, 12 for 21, 89 yards, two picks, both pretty bad ones. One of them, a nice catch, though, toe tap on the sideline by Deontay Banks, looking like a wide receiver out there. Bailey Zappi comes in in the second half, does lead his team down to get a 35-yard field goal to win. Giants try to ice the kicker. They do it successfully. It's missed wide left, just wide left, and the Giants escape with a 10-7 victory. Alex, let's talk about this Giants defense. I first want to start out with, they missed a player up front, and I mentioned his name earlier, Sexy Dexy. Dexter Lawrence was not in this game today, and that A-gap was getting used so much. Every time I felt like Ramondre Stevenson ran the ball, it was up the A-gap right in the middle of the defensive line where Dexter Lawrence would be sitting normally. He was not sitting there. He was on the bench watching the players and cheering them on. And it led to Ramondre Stevenson, excuse me, having 21 carries for almost 100 yards and a touchdown. 
Zeke had nine carries for 46 yards in this game as well. The Patriots, their strong suit on offense with this bad quarterback play throughout the season has been the dual threat running backs. And they used that a lot in this game, and it was super successful for them. Just touch on your opinion and your thoughts on how much this Giants team missed Dexter Lawrence today. Basically, every snap that the Patriots had, I thought, oh my God, we need Dexter Lawrence. And that's why you pay him 24, 23, whatever it was, million dollars a year. Because, my Lord, it was like watching a completely different defense in the run game. One player makes such a big impact, and that is why, honestly, he should be up there definitely in the de- uh, in the Defensive Player of the Year talks, but MVP as well. This guy on defense is a mammoth, a monster. He, compl- he probably turns us from one of the worst run defenses in the league without him to one of the better run defenses in the league. So it's really a crazy difference in what an impact he makes pressure for, you know pat rushing the passer of course on the interior but especially in the run game uh, and then you got guys like uh, Nunez Roches and whatever who are getting double teamed and they just can't beat double teams right you know no no shade at them but Nunez Roches Ashawn Robinson those guys when you double team them you're pretty much taking them out of the game sexy Dexy you got to pretty much triple team him to take him out of the game he beats double teams uh super easily all the time consistently um and that's the main problem there and we really missed him, and you know he's such a key pivotal piece going forward. And uh, I just want to touch on a couple other people as well. I want to mention Banks. Obviously, he got the pick. He looked good today. Uh, pretty locked down overall. And then uh, Xavier McKinney kind of had a nice bounce back game. I thought uh, after he's been really, you know, struggling since I feel like the uh, what was it the comments came out. And obviously, we're going to talk about that in the, uh, at the end of the episode briefly as well uh, with the Jay Glazer report thing. Uh, that came out about Wink and Dable beefing, which we'll talk about. But um, I think you look at him and it's like he really needed to prove that, hey, I want to be on this team. I'm a leader on this team. And I think he's done that over the past couple of games. So I want to highlight him. I want to highlight Banks. And Dory Jackson also really struggled for you know most of the season and came back uh, and was pretty dominant today in all the uh, reps that he went uh, against any passes thrown at him. And he, I don't think any... You know, pass got caught on him actually, and he had a couple of good PBUs. So, shout out to those guys in the secondary as well. Alex, right off of that, Xavier McKinney led the team in tackles today with 10, two pass deflections, had that interception. One player you didn't mention, though, that there were two players that stood out for me. It was McKinney and Bobby O'Karake. Not only getting that pick, but out of the three picks the Giants had today, had the farthest return of 55 yards. Looking like a running back out there, turning corners, trying to find the open seams, and almost gets in the end zone for the touchdown. That would have been a crazy pick six. But Okereke was all over the place. I didn't even know this, Alex. I believe he's one of either in the top five or top ten when it comes to leading tacklers in the NFL. I have to check out that stat, but I know he's up there in the league leaders in tackles. Uh, He had eight today, was second behind Xavier McKinney, tied for eighth with his Odori Jackson in tackles. Had two pass deflections along with the interception, and just in general, those two guys stood out to me, but in general, this Giants team, Wake Martindale, once again, just planning out his week to perfection and getting this defense ready for a poor offense. What do you do when you have a quarterback like Sam Howell or Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi with not too much experience? They're not a veteran in the NFL. I mean, Mac Jones is sort of, but not a good veteran in the NFL, when it comes to a quarterback, they don't really know how to scramble outside the pocket and find 
the receivers in space. You pressure them, and that's Wink Martindale's specialty. You pressure them, you blitz heavy, and you see how they react. And all three times with all three quarterbacks these last two weeks, they've been successful, the Giants defense has, in applying that pressure. And Martindale showed another game of perfection today. Perfection today. I'm slipping on my words. It's almost midnight here. Almost turning into Monday morning. Sorry. Um, Mac Jones does it well against him. Bailey Zappi does it well against him. I forget where my point was going. Uh, but the team's pass deflections today was something I wanted to note. Seven pass deflections. Two by McKinney. Two by O'Karake. One by Jackson. One by Banks. And the last one by the guy we talked about in our preview episode that was picked up off of the Minnesota Vikings practice squad. Ben Whitley came in for maybe a couple snaps today, had a pass deflection as well. And it was a key one. It was a very good pass deflection by Whitley, by the way. So Marindell finds these players and finds these ways to just set up a good script for this game. And he's done it again. And he only allowed seven points in this game by the Giants defense. Credit to Marindale, credit to this Giants defense who put on a show today. And that's something they've really consistently done for most of the season. And I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for it. Uh, those guys put in a lot of hard work week in and week out to go on the field so many times that they get tired and they give up points because our offensive play has been so weak this year. Um, and they were rewarded again today. So I like that. Now, we talk about Link Marindale. Great transition. Let's talk about his relationship with Brian Dable. Jay Glazer, who does the pre and post game for Fox, is also like a a professional speaker or something. He's like written a book about stuff. I don't know. Let me. (laughs) He's a public speaker. Let me. I'll read his bio on Instagram. Fox NFL Sunday and Ballers on HBO, founder of MVP and Unbreakable Performance. Yeah, mental health warrior. Um, he, he's written a book about mental health, and he does public speaking about mental health. But he's also a very big uh, insider when it comes to NFL news, and he's mostly right with everything, and he could have been right on this report. Before the game today, he said that his insiders within the Giants organization said that the relationship between head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable, and defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, was bad and falling apart. And he said that... It could be during the rest of the season that it could be shown publicly or during the offseason that these two guys would kind of separate from each other. So that report came out, and a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, it's probably true. I mean, this team is falling apart. It makes sense, whatever. Um, And sure, maybe one of them will leave or they'll split up or they'll get fired during the offseason. In response to that, Dable was asked about this postgame to where he said, I, I mean, Alex, I don't know if you want to play the clip or are we going to read what the clip is or are we going to read what the quote is? This is all up to you. Your big decision right here. My big decision. Let's roll what Brian Dable had to say in response to Wink Marindale. There was, there was a report pregame that you and Wink are, are not getting along. Do you care to comment on that? Do you expect him to be back? Uh, yeah, I'd say the, the, the biggest argument Wink and I have had is who has the last piece of pizza. So got a lot of respect for Wink. Um, done a good job. So I'll leave it at that. So who's going to have the last slice of pizza, Alex? Who wins that? I think Dable gets the last slice of pizza, man. I feel like all, he's quick. All he's the like time. A I feel like they no, don't no, even I think argue. It's like, 
it's like 60 40. I feel like they don't even argue. I feel like they just kind of rush the table and whoever grabs it first wins. Exactly. Um, no talking, just movement. <laughs> it's just like it's like in a dramatic movie scene. It's like they lock eyes at each other. They both look. And then it's first one to pounce gets it. Um, so that's, that's Brian Dable's comedic response to the allegations or the comments that him and Wink Marindale's connection between each other um, is a problem. In all, uh, here's, in all seriousness, I'd say I think there has to be something there because obviously right after Jay Glazer said it, Pat Leonard, Jordan Ronan, another beat reporter who I cannot remember now, came out and kind of re-verified it, kind of acknowledging that they heard similar things. So there has to be some sort of truth to it. Now, is it a big enough issue, right? A lot of times the media hears something and then they make it into a bigger issue than it is. Like, I don't know. For example, you know, I'm just giving an example here. Someone sets the toaster oven on fire and they're like the whole house. Someone set the house on fire. It's kind of like that, um, where maybe they got into a fight once. It doesn't mean they hate each other. Uh, for example, I think that could be the situation here. But, you know, obviously we know Wink's kind of a divisive figure. Dable's been a divisive figure in the past. Obviously, he had his issues with Sean McDermott, which has become pretty evident after this year's game where they didn't really even like look at each other after the Bills game. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some drama there. So both of these guys, obviously strong characters, big characters. And I could imagine there's some issues, especially when the Giants are losing uh, and the offense is so bad, which is really Dable's big pride. And then the defense is really kind of carrying. And uh, to have the defensive coordinator kind of be complaining like that to the head coach, who's obviously offensive-minded, I could understand how there could be some issues there. Um, obviously, we heard some rumblings that there were issues with Mike Kafka, too, obviously with the play calling, that kind of stuff. So um, overall, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think there's going to be a change made this season. But is it possible that Wink walks away for another job? Um, at the end of the season, of course, um, is it possible that he even, you know, looks for a head coaching job? Of course. So I don't think he's going to get fired. Uh, I would imagine it would be a more of a mutual parting of ways, but I don't think it's as big of an issue. Just my sense, even you watch some of the videos after the Giants game or after the game today, excuse me, uh, where they were getting you know, a wink, got the game ball or whatever from Dable. So obviously I think that was kind of to show that they were okay which means maybe there could be a problem there. But Wink didn't seem super excited, but he did seem happy. I'm not a mind reader. I cannot tell emotions that, you know. Does Wink like, ever seem super excited, though, about anything? That's what I was thinking. Everyone's like, Wink looks like he's mad at Dable, so they must be fighting, and they don't want to talk to each other, and Dable's going to fire him tomorrow. And I'm like, well, how are you getting all of this from a 10-second clip? If you listen to the quote, though, he says, I'll leave it at that at the end. And now people are writing with that, too, because he's like, we're fine. He's done a good job this season. We'll leave it at that. And then it's like, oh, well, they got beef. They're fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can trust any, th- because obviously everyone's going to make it a bigger deal than it is. Well, what we'll all make a big deal is we'll have to see what the Giants do after the bye week. Dable will not confirm <laughs> nor deny that Tyra Taylor will be back. His IR stint will be up by the time the Giants come back from the bye. Got a roll with DeVito. Got him at this point. It's for the culture. Uh, everyone does seem to love him. He's actually going to be on our hometown after we just got back to college from break. Absolutely tomorrow. Uh, All jokes we'll, aside, though, Tyrod Taylor should be the starter when he returns. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you. I'll have to see what happens. The Giants face off against the Packers 
next Sunday, I believe that game got flexed from prime time. Did it get flexed out? It got flexed out. So oh, I believe God. it's going to be next Sunday or two Sundays, sorry, December 11th. Because it was Monday Night Football originally. Yeah, yeah it's probably going to be next Sunday at 1. No one wants to two, see that. Two Sundays from now at 1 o'clock against the Green Bay Packers uh, after the Giants face a bye week. We'll have to see when we record our next episode. Depends the news we get this week. Uh, but for right now, stay tuned as, again, Tyrod Taylor not confirmed as a Giants starter outside of the bye. We'll have to wait and see how he how he feels. So that quarterback controversy between Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor who would have thought that's what we'll be talking about heading into the uh, to the bye week? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, we thank you for listening this far into the episode of The Giant Take. Hit that subscribe button. Drop a like. Follow us on social at The Giant Take Pod. Alex on Twitter at Inorian23. I'm on Twitter at JoshSolo29. I tweeted out a little bit earlier how I hate the Eagles. They suck. And they really annoy the shit out of me. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't curse this entire episode until just then. I made it all the way through. That's annoying. Just like how the Eagles are annoying. Okay, Alex, take it away. All right, thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Like I said earlier, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, Wait, um, I'm not you, done. You're not done? I'm not done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Alex, can we just talk about this game for a second? How does Stefan Diggs do the fly Eagles fly after they score a touchdown, flaps his hands like wings, and doesn't expect... To get the payback he deserves. Like, that's so dumb. Stefan Diggs already gets clowned enough for his antics on and off the field. And he does that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Like I said, I uh, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving weekend. And in has a big cyber... Wait, tomorrow's Sunday or Cyber Monday or today when you're listening to this. So, hope everyone loves their Cyber Monday deals. Even though it's all just basically one big week of deals now. So, they've ruined it and it's no longer fun. Uh, that's what I told Josh on Friday about Black Friday. So anyway, but hope everyone has a great week and has a good um, week break, I guess, here from Giants football, which I think we all desperately needed. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Looking forward to the Packers. Peace. <laughs>